It's, it, it's an incredible thing. So, so thanks for partnering with me. And next week, I'll be back out there with you doing the work that makes the church happen. But today, I, I want to share with you a few thoughts on the way we can take the things that God has uniquely gifted us with and elevate them, not just to the problems that we face in our lives, but how we can elevate them to fight spiritual battles and to see victory in the kingdom of God, not just in our lives. So, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, Upon This Rock is, is our series. Pastor asked me to share. He said the series was going to be Upon This Rock, and I, I began to think about, you know, different rocks. It's actually a great, great sermon series because there's like a million rocks in the Bible. So there's, you can pretty much talk about anything you want to. But I, I found this story, and it, it's a story that you know really well, okay? So have a little bit of patience with me because I, I know there's not a lot of, there's not going to be a surprise ending or anything you don't know about. But, but I do think there's some things that God is, has showed me that can help you. They've helped me. And so we're going to look at this in a, a new and unique way. But um, we're going to talk about the story of David and Goliath, okay? This is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Pastor has taught us all that good Christians take notes, so if you're taking notes, I see that. That's great. First uh, Samuel chapter 17, and uh, I'll, I'll make you a deal since you guys are very enthusiastic already. Uh, I'm not going to read the entire chapter because the story takes place a whole chapter. It's 62 verses, okay? So, uh, so we're going to start with First uh, Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11, and I've got a few others later in the chapter that will illustrate the points. But if you want to go home later and read the whole chapter, there's a lot more to it than what we're going to cover today. But I think I'm going to be able to cover this in a way that, that might make you think about some things you've never thought of before when you read this. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 1 through 11. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Succa in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Demine between Soca and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley in between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His weight was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and all of the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So this story, this repeats itself 40 days in a row. That You've got two armies on either side of a valley. They're camped against each other. Um, and Goliath comes out to the valley every day and gives the same speech, antagonizing the Israelites and saying that uh, he is ready to fight, that their God is not as powerful as the God of the Philistines, and he is ready to kill whoever they send out. And the Israelites, although God has done incredible things in their lives and in the lives of their people, this giant is terrifying and paralyzing to them. And so day in, day out, they stand there and paralyzed, afraid to fight. 
But then David shows up. David was not there originally because he was probably too young to be a part of the army, but his brothers were part of the army, and they were there. His dad said, hey, go take some food and supplies to your brothers and give me a report on how the war is going. So David shows up just in time to hear Goliath's speech, and he is appalled that anyone would speak about his God and his people the way that Goliath spoke to him. And so he's very spunky in that he goes to the king of Israel, okay, and in chapter, uh, verse 32, he said, David says to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul said, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior for his whole, from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistines. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you, which is what you say to someone you believe is about to die, right? <laughs> May the Lord go with you, because I will not. I knew that was a funny joke. <laughs> you guys are so much better. Um, so Saul does give a parting gift to David. He says, hey, before you go and fight the Philistine, let me give you my armor. You know, and Saul was a strapping large man. David was a boy. And so you can imagine this huge clo cloak of arms that Saul had, and he tried to put it on David, and David, you know, couldn't move with this on. And so he says, no, this isn't going to work for me. I don't need the armor. But then in verse 40, he says, Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. And this isn't even part of the message, but this is an illustration. God always uses what we have, right? So when you're a shepherd, you use your shepherd's staff and sling to fight your battles, right? You don't need the armor because you're a shepherd. And God always wants to use what we have. Sometimes we feel like we can't make an impact because we don't have what we think we need, but what we have is what we need if we'll just use it for God's purpose. Verse 48, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, he took out a stone, he slung it, and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and the gates of Ekron. So I want to talk to you today about this topic, the title of my message, if you're taking notes, The Rock of Elevation. You know, when I was a kid, I remember my dad teaching me how to play catch. And we were using a ball and a glove, and I remember my dad saying, if you want me to catch it, throw it right at my nose, okay? And uh, I just wish that he'd used a different strategy on teaching me how to catch, you know? <laughs> but, but I remember as a kid throwing the ball to my dad, who was much bigger than me, and I remember the position that that left my arm in. When, when I threw the ball to my dad. And it, it reminded me of David 
throwing this rock at, at Goliath and the position that he had to leave his hand in. And that, that's kind of the handle that I want to give you on what I want to talk about today is that when we fight our battles in our realm right here, we serve our own purposes. But when we take our talents, our time, and our treasure, the abilities God's given us, and we elevate them to kingdom potential, we do things that we never could have dreamed of. And we see miracles, we see life change, we see communities changed when we do that, okay? So that, that's the handle I want to give you, is I want you all to leave here today encouraged to take what you're given and use it for God's kingdom. And you do that through this church, through the local church, that we're on the battlefield fighting God's battle here together. And when you come and I come, we all come together and give what we are gifted with. That's when the church moves forward. So I want to tell you three things that happen when you elevate your abilities for God's purposes. And the first one is this. When you elevate for God's purpose, giants fall down. Now, we just read the story of Goliath, and so we're familiar with giants falling down, but I'm not talking about a physical giant. I'm talking about the giants that we face in our life, which might be, man, my marriage is struggling. I don't have enough money to pay the bills that are in front of me. I'm not getting along with this coworker. I just lost someone that's very near and dear to me, and I don't know how to move on. I don't know how to live my life without that person. When we face these giants, a lot of times we're paralyzed, just like the Israelites were. We, we want to do good things for God, but we feel like we can't move because we're so stuck. We're so frozen because we don't know how to move forward. Well, I got to tell you that when you show up and plug into church, when you give your time, your talent, your treasure, your marriage gets better because of that, okay? When you give to God, you'll have more money than you had when you didn't have any money because you gave to God. And when you prioritize being in this house when the doors are open week in and week out and at the things that happen throughout the week, when you prioritize it and you give up other things that you care about, soon you'll care more about this than you care about anything else, okay? I should have preached this last Sunday when the Chiefs were playing at 8.30 and nobody was here, right? <laughs> because we all have things we care about, but God wants to make his house the thing we care the most about. And so if you will start elevating what you have towards God's kingdom, you'll see your life totally change. And you'll see miracles in your life that you never could have predicted, that you, God will do things you never would have even asked him to do because you're plugged in, you're giving, you're serving, and that is his plan for you is to serve in the church. So when we, when we elevate what we have for God's purposes, we see giants come down, and, and I want that for each and every one of you today. I've seen it in my life. But there's another interesting thing while we're talking about giants that I want to share with you, and that's this. The Philistines were not an equal match to the Israelites. Certainly their God was not an equal match to the God of the Israelites. But that giant was so intimidating to the Israelites that they didn't fight. And so what I want you to realize is the giants that you face in your life, giants are always used to conceal a weaker enemy, okay? Because there's no need for a giant when you're more powerful, right? So the Philistines were never going to beat the Israelites. It was not in the cards for them. 
but the giant just delayed the inevitable victory. And so what I want you to know is when you're facing a giant in your life, you have to realize that that is disguising something that your God is far more powerful than, and there's no reason to be afraid and be afraid to move forward. So David, before this fight with Goliath, he had actually been anointed to be the new king of Israel. Saul had lost favor with God. He had stopped serving God. He had turned to his own purposes. He'd done the opposite of this. He originally was fighting for God, and he had taken it down to being on his own level. And so God lost favor, uh, or got, Saul lost favor with God. God sent the servant, his servant Samuel to anoint a new king. He sent him to Jesse's house said, Jesse, bring your sons before me. Jesse is David's dad. Jesse brought every son he had before the prophet except David <laughs> because it was so unlikely, so unthought of that David would ever be a king that he didn't even think of him. So Samuel goes one by one to Jesse's sons, lays a hand on him. God says, no, I haven't chosen this one. I haven't chosen this one. Gets all the way to the end, and he looks at Jesse and he's like, do you have any more sons? And Jesse's like, I do have one more. He's, a, he's out there in the field. So they, they bring him in. They never even thought of him. They bring him in, and Samuel lays his hands on him. God says, yeah, I've chosen him. So right then and there, David is anointed to be king. So after he was anointed to be king, he went right back to the field and continued to be the shepherd. Okay? So God has a call on all of our lives, but we don't always get to sit in the seat we're going to the day we realize the call, okay? So what I want to tell you is when you elevate the things that God's given you for his kingdom's purposes, shepherds will eventually become kings, okay? Now, I think we're a little uncomfortable in America uh, with the term king, maybe. Um, thanks a lot, George, you know. <laughs> Homeschoolers got that one. Um, but we don't, we don't really like to talk about kings, but I want to remind you that Jesus is the king of kings, okay? And if you read your Bible, you'll find lots of kings that moved God's plan forward with their resources and their strength. And if you read the book of Revelations chapter 1 verse 6, you'll, you'll read about kings and priests that are called to work together to build the kingdom of God, okay? Our pastor's staff they're our priests, okay? They come here. They do the hard work of making church happen. They prepare during the week. They get things ready. They prepare something for you to hear from God. And they have a vision for how we can grow this church and the things we can do to reach our community. But let me tell you something. When the old grocery store closes and it costs $3 million to buy it, priests do not write those checks, okay? They don't have that kind of money. So to be a church that is moving forward, it takes priests and it takes kings that say, yes, I see your vision, I've been successful, and I am here to use what God has given me to elevate to his purpose. And that is how you end up in a building that doesn't serve people food anymore, that, but that feeds people's spirits, okay? And I also, I've got to tell you that as much as I love this building, I think back to when we started coming to Velocity, we were in two, uh, I think actually just one location when we first started coming at the Art Center. And, uh, you know, the only influence 
physically that this church had was we had a little feather flag that would be out on New Hampshire Street for two hours on Sunday morning, okay? And now I'm telling you, people drive by the most beautiful sign on the busiest road in Lawrence every day and wonder what goes on at that church. And every week somebody comes in to check it out because they saw it and they want to know what's going on here. But this is not the end of the vision that our pastors have for this church, okay? We took a, it was a heavy lift to get into this building, to renovate it, to operate in it. We're still growing into it. We're doing three services now. We're, we're adding team. We're adding people. Our kids have doubled since we've been in this building. So we're growing, and there is plenty of vision for the next, the next phases. But I want you to know it takes those of us that are not priests to be the kings that lift up the priests and say, yes, we see your vision, we're with you, we want to participate, and we're ready to go. So I want to invite you to have a positive opinion of kings. God wants us to be kings. But I'll also tell you that, like I said before, David didn't get to be a king immediately. When he was anointed, he went back to the field. And when he was in the field, he had opportunity to fight a lion, to fight a bear, and that built faith in him that when it came time to fight a giant, he believed he could do it because he had done other things that were miraculous. So the place you are when you get anointed to be something special is a place where you can learn and grow and experience God. But it's not the place you're going to stay. When David fought Goliath, he killed Goliath, he never went back to the field. It elevated him because the fights with the lions and the bear, that's, that's a human feat. He's, he's fighting for his job. His job is to take care of the sheep. And I, I got to be honest with you, if I was taking care of sheep and some wild animal came and took one, I still had 99, I'd call that a good day, <laughs> you know? But he didn't see it that way. He, he fought, he was good at his job, okay? He was good and he trusted God. There's no doubt God was working in his life. But he was very good at his job as a shepherd. But God calls us to more than being good at our trades, okay? He wants us to be good, good leaders, good business owners, good employees, good team members. But he calls us to far more than that. And so the things that we're talented at, that we've developed an aptitude for, his goal is for us to use those towards his heavenly purposes. And so when, when David killed Goliath, he took a step in the next direction. He never went back to the field. King Saul said, come and live in the palace with me. And so David moved into the palace. He played music that soothed Saul. And Saul was beginning to lose his mind. He had lost God's favor. And he would become jealous of David because David had killed Goliath. And people really trusted David, thought he was an up-and-coming leader. And Saul became jealous. And several times while David was in the palace... Saul tried to kill him, okay? And so I want you to think about the fact that although God has called you to something special, you may sit in a seat where you're not, you're almost there, but you're not quite there yet. And that is one of the most frustrating things is to be in the palace, but not be the king. Because even if you live in the palace, if there's somebody trying to kill you, <laughs> It's pretty hard to enjoy the surroundings of the palace, right? And, you know, I, I told the last service, if you see me on a Friday afternoon and I'm in a bad mood, 
uh, it's because I had to make payroll that week, okay? And it, it isn't easy every week, you know? And I, man, I feel like sometimes, God, I am working so hard. I am trying so hard. I am taking risks. I'm being smart. I'm hiring good people. We're, we do a good service. But it is still so hard, God. But you know what helps me is I look back and I remember that 10 years ago, if you would have told me that I would be living the life I live today, I could not have fathomed it. To be married to who I'm married to, to be living where I live, to be a part of this church, to have the business that I have, I had no vision for that 10 years ago. So it helps me to realize that I have taken a lot of steps forward, okay? But that does not help me make payroll on Friday, okay? <laughs> now, today's Sunday, so I've got the whole week, so I'm in a pretty good mood today. But what I want you to realize is that as you take steps of faith, it doesn't mean you don't have struggles. And the fact that you're fighting and that there's somebody out there trying to kill you, hopefully not actually physically, I mean, that would be a pretty bad thing if somebody was actually trying to kill you. But, but you know, there's giants in the land that are out there. They're, they're making it hard for us to pay our bills. They're making it hard for us to have good relationships. You know, mental health is a huge problem we all face. You know, we, we fight with it. And some of you, some of you fight with it. Some of you have family members that fight with it and you don't know how to help them. You don't know how to move them forward. And there's so many things that we fight and it can be very easy to be frustrated and say, God, I have this vision, but I am not living what the vision is. Well, I want to encourage you, realize where you came from, and don't lose sight of where you're going, okay? Because God who anointed you to be king will deliver you to the throne when his time is ready, okay? So I want you to be patient. God is doing a work in your life, and God is putting you in the position to be ready when he needs you. And so continue to be faithful to God, faithful to his house, and see your life continue on an upward trajectory. Now, some of you are here today, and you're kings already. You've been successful in your life, in your business. You're smart. You have the scars to show the battles you fought to be successful because there's not very many people that are successful and didn't fight very, very hard for it. And I just want to encourage you not to sit back and be content because God made you a king because he wanted to use you for this purpose, for this house, for this time. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a purpose for your resources. He didn't give them to you for no reason. He gave them to you because he wanted you to use them. If, God, if you really believe God gave you the things you have, the talents, the abilities, the treasure that you have, you have to know he gave it to you with a purpose in mind. Because someday we'll all be dead and gone and somebody else will be talking about different things. But what we have control over is what we do right now in the moment when we're in control of the resources, we can move the kingdom of God forward when we work together and we give together. So if you're a king, I just want to encourage you, this is a great time and this is a great place to continue to build God's kingdom. And I'll even tell you this, God has things for you that you still cannot even ask, think, or imagine. You may be comfortable you may be happy with where you're at. You may be towards the end of your career, your business. You feel very comfortable. I'm telling you, God has things. If you'll plug into his house, if you'll give sacrificially, if you'll be a part of the work he has going in this community, he will do things that will blow your mind, okay? And I want that. I want that for each and every one of you. 
So we've talked about giants fall down when we, when we give to God, when we serve God's kingdom. We've talked about shepherds becoming king. The final thing that happens when we elevate our gifts to God's purpose, our generations are set free. Okay? I want to read you again verse 51. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel, Judah, and Ju- Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. So I want you to realize that David's victory was not just a personal victory. It was a victory for his entire country, for his entire family, for his entire group of people. And when we elevate the things that God's given us to his purposes, it does not just change us. It changes everyone around you. Communities are changed by people who give to God's purpose. And as we do that, it's not only here and in this moment, it'll encourage the people around you, it'll encourage your family, your friends, it'll encourage the people you go to church with. But I'm telling you, until we get to heaven, we'll never know what God did with what we gave. Uh, there's, I was thinking of my home church growing up, and um, there was a man who was very kind to us, treated our family very well. He was very old by the, the time I could remember him, but um, treated us very well, which, you know, you should treat your pastor really, really well, but just not everyone does, so <laughs> hopefully you all do. Uh, but I, I found out later on that the spot where our church was Actually, his house was there, and when they decided to build a church, he was a a builder, he was in construction, he had a truck come, and they picked up his house and moved it two blocks down the road because he was at kind of a prime piece of real estate, and and then he came in, and I don't know if he built the whole church, but he brought his crews in and helped, helped build the church, and I just thought, first of all, I was like, God, if Velocity ever builds a a church in Eudora, I just would really love to find a place other than my house to build it, because I'm not sure I'm I'm that guy, you know? But So I'm not asking you to do that kind of thing, because that's extremely sacrificial, and if you're not in the habit of sacrificial giving, you're not going to do anything like that, and I wouldn't even ask you to. This guy had been doing sacrificial things his whole life. God built him to the point where he would do that. But what I do want you to realize is that that man's been gone for 20 years at least. And he, not only is that church still there, but he made an impression on me as a kid. And here I am telling you about it. And somebody's getting encouraged by it, okay? And so his gift, his generosity, his sacrifice continues to live on. And I just... I can't imagine when he got to heaven the things that God got to show him that his sacrifices through the years did for the kingdom of God. And I'm talking about we had a small church, okay? I know there's mega churches that are bigger than Velocity, but like my frame of reference, this is a pretty big church, okay? When we all come together, if we can get sacrificial in what we give, I I just cannot even begin to fathom what God will do with this church in this city, outside this city. You know, we're doing incredible things in the Dominican Republic. What church builds their first building and builds a care point in the Dominican Republic at the exact same time? We do that, okay? 
And, and there is no lack of vision for the next things that we're going to do, for the next locations, for campuses, for the next missions initiatives. There is no lack of vision, but what there is is a lack of resources. Now, I'm not concerned about the church's budget, okay? The building was expensive. I told you that. The lights cost a lot. We've got a bigger staff than we used to have, and we need to have a bigger staff because they're all working harder than they should be working right now. But those, thing, th those things cost a lot of money, but... I'm not worried about that because God has plenty of resources, okay? He, he, he doesn't hurt for money, and he will equip his church, okay? So I'm not asking you to sacrifice and to be generous because the church needs it. I'm telling you I want that for you because I have seen what it does for people when they, when they engage in sacrificial giving. I've seen generations changed. I've seen families changed. I've seen communities changed. You know, I, I grew up in a small church, as I told you, and my mom and dad didn't make a lot of money, but they were generous with the church, and that made an impression on me. And as I got older and got a job, started making some money, I, I practiced generosity. And, and I remember we had a project that um, we had to put new sidewalks at the church, and, you know, it was going to cost like $10,000, and that was a lot of money for the church. And um, I think this was my first big gift. I think I gave $1,000 to that when I was like 16 years old, 15, 16 years old, you know. And I just have seen what God did in my life when I did that. Because like I told you before, I could not have fathomed the life I live today when I was that age, okay. I'm not where I want to be. <laughs> I got a lot of things that, that are difficult that I'm fighting still. And I have vision for things a lot further down the road than where we are. But I'm telling you, God has always been so faithful with everything I've ever given him. I want each and every one of you to experience that. So as we close, I just want to encourage you in some next steps. You know, and we've talked about time, talent, and treasure. I think about time as showing up, you know. Just be here when the church is open, you know. Every Sunday, be here as much as you can. If you're coming once in a while, try to come more consistently. I'm not saying you got to be here 52 weeks a year, but make it a priority to be here because when you make the church a priority, God begins to change things inside of you. And when we talk about talent, you know, we have a lot of teams here. It takes more than just our pastoral staff to run this church. You know, you can look in the back at the people running production. Don't look at them. They hate to be looked at. <laughs> But, you know, when I was a kid, I, I did that at my dad's church, you know. I was one person, and we had a little projector and a little soundboard, okay. I went back there a couple weeks ago. I don't know what all they have back there. There's things that are just wild to me. They got the lights. They got the screens. They got the, you know, the, the board is massive. Um, I wouldn't touch anything back there if you paid me. I mean, I just, I wouldn't. But we have people at our church that are talented, and understand how all that works, let me tell you, they show up here before anybody shows up to get this all set up, right? And they, and they stay all service long, all three services, and they're some of the last to leave. Our worship team comes on Thursday nights and practice. They do calls during the week. I don't even know. I'll never be on worship teams. So I don't know what all they do. But they do a lot of things to make this happen. 
okay? And when you walk in the door every Sunday, you're greeted. There's somebody to help you find a seat because we know if nobody says hi to you when you come to church, you won't come back. So we take care of that, you know? So we do all these things to move the church forward. And I'm just encouraging you that God has abilities he's given you. And a lot of you are serving already. I think you can serve more, but a lot of you are not serving. And I just, you know, we didn't serve when we first started coming here. We kind of actually were a little burned out from our last church from serving, uh, you know, in some places we probably weren't called to serve in. And we were burned out and we didn't serve for a while. But I'm telling you, the experience of going to church is so different when you're serving, okay? You care about it. It becomes personal. It becomes spiritual to you. And so if you're not on a team, uh, Pastor Jacob will talk later about essentials. Essentials is a great first step to go and learn more about the history of the church, how the church operates, what the different teams are. Go through that and get plugged into a team because you won't understand the impact this church makes until you get on a team and see it behind the scenes. And finally, you know, I, I've talked about money a little bit, and I I hope you'll give me a little more grace to talk about it a little more. It's something I'm passionate about, and I I don't do it to be difficult for you or to make anybody uncomfortable. I know it can be an uncomfortable subject, but I do it because, like I said earlier, I've seen the impact that it makes. It's made in my life when when I've given to God, when I've been sacrificial, and I'll also tell you that there's only one thing in the Bible, one time, that God says, test me in this and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that cannot be contained. God returns to us when we give, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, okay, in abundance. And it's true. It, it's a promise of God, and it's true. And so I think, personally, it's one of the easiest ways to start serving is to start giving because you'll see immediate returns from your gifts, the, the changes that God will make in your life. I'm not saying if you give $10, God will give you $100. It, it doesn't work like that. But I'll tell you, every time I've given over the course of time, I've had more money to give, okay? Every time. Every time I've given, I've been able to pay my bills, okay? I haven't missed payroll yet. And I don't plan to, okay? I'll let you know next week how this week went. But I don't plan to miss it, okay? Because God is my provider, and I trust him with my first fruits. I give to him first before I do anything else, and I've always had enough. I may not have as much as I want to have, but I've always had enough, and it's always gone like this, okay? And my generosity has gone like this, too. And so I want to encourage you in that. We've got next week, we start our our offering, our Upon This Rock offering. We always do a large end-of-year offering, and it really sets the church up well for success the following year, okay? We, there's a lot of vision for things that we want to accomplish, things that we want to do, and it, it takes money. And when we all come together, it, it takes everybody getting sacrificial to make a difference that sets us up for success. And so we want to end the year strong, and I'll just define sacrifice for you real quickly. I would never tell you give your mortgage payment, give your food money, give your doctor money. You know, God wants us to take care of ourselves, okay? But what he does want us to do are give things that cost something. So what costs something is when you give and it stops you from doing something that you would want to do, okay? So I'm talking maybe we're going to delay this vacation because we want to give this money 
to God's purpose. I'm not saying you're not going to ever go on vacation, but I'm saying maybe right now you can delay that. Maybe there's that home improvement project that you've been saving up for. Maybe we're going to delay that and, and use that money for God's purposes. Maybe I'm going to go work a, a side hustle, you know, get a couple odd jobs, do something on the side, work a little harder, take a little overtime so I can give a little more than I could give. Those are things that cost us, and that's the kind of gifts God blesses. When you give and it doesn't hurt you, it doesn't affect you, you still do everything that you would have done anyway, that's not really a gift that God honors, okay? God honors when we give out of sacrifice. And so my prayer would be that each and every one of you, as, as this offering opens next week, would pray about what would God have you give and test God like he encourages us to do and see if it doesn't work. See if God doesn't bless you. So I want to encourage you in those areas to, to be here consistently, to, to serve on a team, to give sacrificially. When we all do that, God is doing incredible things in this community. So let's bow our heads and pray.